you for joining us today at Renovatus, a church for people under renovation. If you have a prayer need, would like to talk with a pastor, or want to share how this message impacts you, we would love to hear from you. Email us at info at renovatuschurch.com. If you desire to support us in the work we are doing for the kingdom of God in Charlotte, you can give online at renovatuschurch.com. We hope you are truly blessed by today's message. Sure am loving all of this conversation going on. That's, uh, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. The community of God. So, uh, as you make your way back to your seats, I just first and foremost want to say it's, it's definitely an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you today to, to bring the message this week. I'm, uh, I'm grateful for, for Pastor Daniel allowing me the opportunity to do this. It's it's definitely not an opportunity that I take lightly. And uh, I'd ask for you guys to continue praying for him and his family as he's still cruising, still enjoying the, the sun and the and paradise this week. So uh, just continue to pray for them as they're uh, on their journey and as they make their way back home this coming Thursday. And I'm um, also thankful for my family being here to support me. That uh, definitely means a lot. So uh, it's good to see y'all and friends, family and friends. So... Um, it's awesome, and it's, uh, this is something that I've been excited about for, for quite some time now. So uh, it was a couple years ago, it was 2015, I had, uh, I had just graduated from, from Gardner-Webb University, and I was, I was youth pastoring at a church in Gastonia, New Hope Baptist Church. I spent about four and a half years there. It was a good experience there for me. I learned a lot, met a lot, a lot of wonderful new people. And uh, about a year into my time at New Hope, I became an ordained minister, and it was uh, definitely a privilege and a, a wonderful opportunity to be ordained among all of my family and friends there at New Hope, and at the time, I was very, very excited about being ordained for, for a lot of reasons. It was something that I had been working at for, for quite some time. I'd, you know, I felt, I felt called into the ministry at a somewhat young age. It was probably, I was probably a junior or senior in high school when I started feeling the urge to go into ministry, and it had finally happened to me when I, where I was ordained, and I, was, I had just graduated from college, and one of the things that I was very excited about, about being ordained, is, well, now I have the opportunity to marry people. All of my friends, all the, all the people that I knew in my life who were ready to get married, well, they could call me, and I'd be happy to uh, officiate their, their weddings. So uh, I, didn't, I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into when I was thinking those, those thoughts. But... Uh, I remember my very first opportunity to officiate a wedding took place uh, right after my ordination in the, in the spring of 2015. One of my very best friends that I went to college with, uh, one of my roommates, Isaac Pearson, his, his mother was getting married, and, and Isaac uh, excitedly came to me and he said, so my mom wants you to marry her, her and my, my stepdad Bill. And I said, well, I'd be happy to marry him. So, um, and now all of you guys who are married, you know all the, the preparation, all the, all the things that come into play when, when you're preparing for a wedding. A lot of things go into that, right? We, we have to make sure every, all of our ducks are in a row. We have to make sure everything is perfect for that particular day. So, so this wedding was not just any wedding. They wanted it to be pretty eclectic, wanted it to be different. So, so I married uh, my friend's parents in their house, in the middle of their living room in their house. And although this was in their living room, they still had a lot of, you know, friends and family there that were, were there to take part in their special day, and they were there to support them. So I wanted it to go well. You know, I, 
this is my first wedding, you know, this, this has to go well, right? And I had to uh, put all the, all the things necessary into place, and everything seemed to be in order. And I remember standing there in front of everyone in the middle of that living room with my iPad in my hand, the bride and groom in front of me, and all the people there sitting, taking everything in. And I remember being so nervous. I was really nervous. I tried not to let it show, but I was extremely nervous. And about halfway through the ceremony, all of a sudden, I dropped my iPad. Like, right in front of everyone. In the middle of the ceremony, I dropped my iPad. It made this loud noise. They were recording the wedding. I was so embarrassed. And then, and then right at that time, I reached down to grab the iPad so I could just, you know, nonchalantly just reach down and grab it up, keep going, so nobody will say anything. So as I started to reach down, the groom started to reach down, too, to pick it up. So we both reached down at the same time, and we came this close to butting heads with each other. And it was, it was a pretty embarrassing moment there for a moment. And, but you know what? It, we, we had our laughs about it, and it turned out to be a, a very special moment. And that moment of uh, a little awkwardness turned into a moment of celebration. So that's, that's definitely an experience that, that I'll never forget, uh, an experience that I learned a lot about myself in at that particular time. So... So as, as we at Renovatus have been learning and hearing about over the, the past couple weeks, the last couple weeks, the, the season of Epiphany, you know, is a, a season of revelation, a time to recognize the arrival of God's plan in Jesus, and a time to look forward to God's ongoing action through the Christ event. That's what the Epiphany is all about. And our text today, which we'll be looking at together here momentarily, the story of Jesus' sign at the wedding and Cana of Galilee is one of the most familiar passages in, in all of John. We probably read it several times. We're probably familiar with it somewhat. And not only is it one of the most familiar passages in, in the book of John, but you know it's, it's probably one of the most familiar passages in all the Gospels as a whole. And it's in this particular story that we're going to be looking at today that the, the identity of Jesus and His ministry is introduced and it's actually introduced with several important symbols in the story, as we will see here momentarily. It's introduced through a, through, by way of a joyous wedding. It's introduced through six Jewish ritual pots that they put water in. It's, it's introduced through thirsty wedding guests. And finally, it's introduced in, the abundant, in an abundance of wine, as we'll see in our story today. So, Jesus' ministry, it begins in a setting of great joy and abundance. And that's two things we're going to be focusing on today, joy and abundance. But His ministry takes off in a setting that is full of joy and a setting that's full of abundance. And it actually takes place, Cana in Galilee, all of this is taking place in a seemingly insignificant place in the world at that particular time. And it is actually here where John performs his first miracle, or sign, as the writer would call it, as John's gospel refers to it. So what we're going to do today, we're going to look at the passage of Scripture, and it comes from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You can follow along with me on the screen, or you can, if you have your Bibles with you, then you're, you're more, than more than welcome to read along there as well. So we're looking at John chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 1. And this is how it reads. On the third day, there is a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. 
When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. So now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, it now became wine. And he did not know where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. You know, the Psalms reading that we read earlier was, was so beautiful to me. It was very beautiful to me. And it was, it's, it was a very meaningful passage. And today's gospel reading, our passage today actually has some commonalities with our psalm reading from earlier today. Some commonalities between the two. And the psalm reading that we read earlier actually painted a good picture of all people feasting on the abundance of God's house and drinking from the river of God's delight. So that's taking place there in the psalms. And it is here in the fourth gospel, in John's gospel, that we find extravagant abundance as the center point of this first sign of Jesus. So that's central there. And we see that in response to Jesus, we see the servants go and, and they fill the brim, fill to the brim with water, six stone water jars, each holding about 20 to 30 pounds of water. And we also see in the story today that the wine created from the water is clearly superior in its quality. So it's, it's not just this, this cheap stuff. I mean, it's, it's some good stuff. And we, we also see that the key to this story, though, is that the transformation that takes place here is of God, and the transformation that takes place here points to God. So everything that's taken place here was meant to point to God, to reveal the identity of God. The transforming of the water into wine is not just an act of extravagant abundance, though it is much more than that. What's taken place here, an act, is is an act itself that declares the glory of God. So everything that happens here is not just just this cool miracle story that's taking place, but it's an actual event that's declaring the glory of God. And we see that this first sign of Jesus here in in the book of John ignited a passion, and it ignited an excitement within the disciples once this took place. And this event actually is beginning to usher in a new era. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament prophets, the book of Joel, Joel is one of my my favorite of all the prophets. In Joel chapter 3 verse 18, he actually speaks metaphorically of a day when the mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with milk. So could it be that this was 
was an event, this event where wine, was an, it was actually a symbol of this new day that was prophesied by Joel. Could it be that this was the symbol of what was to come or what was coming? And the truth is, is that in Jesus, all the people that had, had witnessed this miracle, all the people who had witnessed this event, had witnessed the arrival of a new age. It was a new age. And throughout this week, as I began to prepare for this, this sermon, prepare for this particular message, there were two words that, that began to resonate with me a lot throughout the week. Two words that I just kept, that just kept coming to mind as I, as I pondered over the Scriptures, as I read through the passage, as I, as I studied. And those two words were, were both joy and abundance. Two words that I, I believe personally are very, very important to, to what we are to do as, as Christ followers. And, and it's very, very important to, to what the kingdom of God is. So it's, in, it's important to understand that in this particular time in history, in those days, you know, the, the bride and groom, they, they celebrated their marriage, their wedding, not, not with just a 45-minute a ceremony, but... In this particular time, they actually, they actually celebrated their wedding and, with, and it's, it was actually a seven-day celebration. So it was a celebration that took place over a period of seven days. It was a wedding feast. A wedding feast that took, took place at the groom's home, so it was a pretty big deal. Imagine all the, the effort and the time that we here in, uh, in, the, in the 21st century put into a, a wedding ceremony that lasts for what? 30, 45 minutes. I mean, we take six, seven months or more to prepare to make sure all that is going as planned and will go as planned. But could you imagine the, the preparation that would be necessary for a week-long event? That, that's kind of terrifying to me, man. That's a lot. So, so this particular celebration was meant to go well. Everything about it had been planned. Everything about it was was supposed to just flow smoothly. But this particular celebration in our passage today kind of took a turn towards the awkward side of things. It kind of took a turn for a dark side of things. The wine that had been supplied to, to everyone who had, was at that particular party was running thin. They were running out of wine. And this presents a crisis for the host family because in that particular day, the host family was responsible for being hospitable to all the guests who were present. So whoever's hosting this big, big shindig, they were responsible for making sure that everyone was taken care of. You didn't invite someone over to a party. You didn't invite someone to a, a festival or anything of, any, of significance like this and not make sure that everyone was taken care of. So Jesus who responds to the call of his mother. His mother goes and says, you know, Jesus, they're, they're running out of wine here. Can, is, there, there, is there something we can work out just to make sure that, that we keep things going along smoothly here? So Jesus keeps the party going by way of this miraculous sign. You'll say, well, what, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with everything. Simply because... In my experience, I really believe that it's easy for, for church folk to forget that Jesus, you know, Jesus once attended a huge wedding feast and he ultimately said yes to pure gladness and joy in that moment. 
He said yes to pure gladness and joy. Despite the awkwardness, despite the confusion of the moment, despite the uncertainty of the moment, Jesus in that moment said yes to gladness and joy. So Robert Brearley, he actually says that Jesus turned the water into the wine to point us to his heavenly Father, to point us to a God who loves to hear the laughter of people celebrating people. So in this particular moment, what we have here, guys, is we have a bunch of people getting together and celebrating people. People are enjoying each other's company. They're loving one another. They're being fully present with one another. They are fully invested in celebrating other people. And we have a God, you guys, who loves people celebrating people. You know, and uh, sometimes to me it seems as if the, the church has forgotten to live the joy of such revelation. And the sign at Cana tells us that, that God found it worth performing a miracle to keep the party going as people celebrate people. It was that important to God. And you know, Jesus... Throughout his life and ministry, throughout his 33, 33 years in the physical form here on earth, throughout his life and ministry, Jesus constantly was celebrating people. Jesus celebrated people getting married. Jesus celebrated people being healed. And Jesus simply celebrated people being people. So my question for us today, myself included... How are we celebrating people being people? What are we doing in our lives that, that serves as a genuine celebration of people being people? How can we celebrate people in their humanness? How can we love people exactly where they are and celebrate with them? How are we proclaiming Christ to be a God of mercy? to be a God of peace, to be a God of joy to each and every person we encounter. You know, I've, I've spent the last couple years, I'm a, I'm a big sports fanatic. You'll, as you get to know me over, the, the, over our time here together, you'll learn that I'm the biggest Tar Heel fan. Any Tar Heel fans here? Go Heels? Okay, I see those hands. I see those hands. So we got a couple of Tar Heel fans here. So I'm a big sports guy. And over the last couple of years, I've, uh, I've had the privilege of coaching a youth basketball team and Back in Gastonia, we call them the Jackrabbits. So we, like, we like to play fast. We like to, to push the ball up and down the court, so we call our team the Jackrabbits because Jackrabbits are fast. They're supposed to be, at least. And one of the things that I tell my team, that we tell our team each and every day, what we do before practice is we have what we call a thought of the day. I stole it from Dean Smith. He always would have thoughts of the day with his team before, before practice. And um, our, our thought of the day from last week was simply to, to be where your feet are. That the most important moment... It's not what took place yesterday. The most important moment is not what's going to happen tomorrow. But the most important moment in our lives is now. The current moment pre 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 presents, presents us with unlimited opportunities to celebrate other people, to invest in other people, to love other people, to be advocates for other people, to stand up for other people, to be a voice for other people. But how can we fully step into that if we're not fully where our feet are. 
Because God places people and God places opportunities right before us each and every day. If we're perceptive enough to pick up, pick up on it. And you know, to me, guys, to me, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is the kingdom of God. It is about people coming together to celebrate each other in our humanness. It's about people coming together, together and celebrating each other despite the differences or the obvious contrasting opinions. We learn to put those things aside. We learn to, to focus on the things that we do have in common and that's simply that we're all children of God and we choose to love and celebrate each other. And the miracle of the water being turned into wine was a manifestation of God's glory. It is a miracle who reveals the very God who longs for the community of faith to be a celebration of people. And I want you to a moment to, to consider the setting of, of the wedding in Cana and what was taking place there. So, in this particular time in history, in Cana, in the, around this particular region, there weren't actually, there were natural resources surrounding Cana that enabled some people to be self-sufficient in some ways. So some of the people of that particular time, of that era, they were, okay, they were making it okay. They were, they were getting by. But many at this particular time were still being wrongfully taxed. Transportation was hard to come by. And a lot of folks didn't have an income. So there were people, just as, the, just as it is today, there were people who were, who were living a good life at that particular time, but there were a lot of people who were, who were struggling to make ends meet. And Feasting and celebration were things that only took place for significant events, such as this wedding that we've been looking into today. But despite the, the harsh circumstances at times, people were still hospitable, and people still realized that investing in others and being fully present in other people's lives was a genuine act of worship. So what I want us to do here for a moment is I want us to get for us to, to imagine together a community, for us to imagine together a kingdom ruled by Christ, ruled by the love of God, a kingdom as a place filled with singing, a kingdom filled with dancing. And a kingdom full of feasting. Take a moment to imagine a kingdom where God turns the water of sadness. Where God turns the water of anxiety. Where God turns the water of, of stress. And where God turns the water of emptiness into the wine of new life. What we were singing about earlier. This is the kingdom that we are to create each and every day. A kingdom where we seek to invest in the welfare of others. And a kingdom where we have direct responsibility for the least of these. A kingdom where we have a direct responsibility for those who are considered the last or the least. This is a kingdom where we go out of our way to include those who have been excluded. A kingdom 
Where we go out of our way to be hospitable to those who are simply turned away by others. A kingdom where we go out of our way to welcome the stranger, to welcome the foreigner. A kingdom where everyone is loved and cared for. So in an interview a, a number of years ago, a, a scholar was asked about the art of wine hosting. And she actually has a French name, so I may butcher that name, but I'm going to try it. It's, it's Madeleine Engel. Could be incorrect, but I tried. So she was asked about the art of wine hosting. And once, when she was asked about, about this art, she said at the most basic level that the job of the wine host, or in our, in our case, the job of the everyday Christian, is to simply serve lavishly what you have been given. To simply serve lavishly what you have been given. So what have we been given? Let's pause there for a minute. What have we been given? We've been given life. We've been given love. We've been given hope. We've been given all of these things that were meant to sustain us. And we can provide hope. We can provide life. We can provide joy. We can provide love to others. Simply by the way we interact with them. Simply by being present in them. So when Gail goes on to say, on the topic of wine hosting, she says, the point is to be ready at all times. To simply be ready at all times to give and serve what God has given us. To manifest God's glory by reaching out with the ordinary to manifest God in your own givenness through everyday opportunities. It may be that turning six jars of water into wine will be your given task. But she says, I highly doubt it. On the other hand, it could mean turning your jar of peanut butter into sandwiches for the homeless. Or turning your voice into, the mouth, into a mouthpiece for the oppressed. So we may not be literally filling up six jars of water and turning that water into wine to serve at a wedding, but there are plenty of things that we can do to bring about transformation in our community. You know, Jesus' ministry began in our text today, in John chapter 2. It all began with this sign. And his ministry began with the reillumination of a celebration that had, had went wrong. It had gone wrong, kind of like my little living room experience when I was trying to marry my friends. I dropped my iPad. Things had went wrong. Well, in the wedding in Cana, things were going wrong. They didn't have any more wine. Jesus reilluminated the situation. And the entire ministry of Christ began with this reillumination of a celebration that had gone wrong. So the question we have to ask ourselves today is this. How can we light up the dark places in our world? How can we bring about hope where there is no hope? How can we bring about joy where there is no joy? How can we bring about peace where there is strife? How can we bring about unity where there is disunity? How can we usher in love where there is hate? How can we usher in peace in the midst of a world that is fixated on war and destruction? 
What can we do about this? Well, we can start by being the people that we're called to be. We can start by being the people of God. Generous people. People who are willing to take our shirts off our back if that's what, what's necessary to make sure that someone else doesn't go without. That's what sacrificial love looks like. It's about taking care of our brothers, taking care of our sisters, having each other's backs. It's about learning how to be people who, who know how to celebrate people just being people. It's about people allowing people to be people and loving them for who they are and celebrating them even when they fail, even when they disappoint us, even when they let us down, even when they tell a lie to us, etc. We're all human. We're going to let ourselves down from time to time. We're going to let other people down from time to time. But even in the midst of those moments, we can still learn to celebrate each other, be where our feet are, and genuinely love people exactly where they are. And to me, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. So today, as we go to the table here momentarily, just, just take a couple moments to, to just be. Take a couple moments to just to sit still and reflect on this whole idea of celebration, this whole idea of generosity, this whole idea that everything that we've been given, life, love, hope, we can give to someone else. Simply by way of a smile, simply by way of taking someone out to coffee. So as we go to the table today, feel free to partake. This is one of the, the most moving parts of the entire service. I've, you know, I've been at a part of this community for a little over a month now, and going to the table with you guys is definitely one of the, the most meaningful parts of the entire experience. I'm going to invite you guys to, to read along as we read this together. So this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and those who want to love Him more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow, and you who have failed. Come, because it's the Lord who invites you, and it is He till that those who want Him should meet Him here. Thank you again for joining us. We invite you to send your requests and stories to info at renovatuschurch.com and give by visiting our website, renovatuschurch.com. As we close every service at Renovatus, would you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.